1: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We're talking today with Carolyn Grimes, who played little Zuzu Bailey in the classic movie It's a Wonderful Life, and she was one of the youngest actors on the set, and certainly one loaded with charm and grace. Her tale is one that only came to the public eye in recent years. She played the part of little Zuzu Bailey, George Bailey's youngest daughter, who is best known for the lines that close the movie, and left people with tears in their eyes and reaching for Kleenexes. Carolyn, we're very glad to have you with us today at 1001 Heroes Podcast.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: I know that all our fans are anxious to hear your story, and I'm hoping you can start at the beginning, how you first became a child actor and what your experience was in Hollywood.
2: Well, I started pretty early. My mother, uh, I was an only child, and she was a stage mom. And she gave me every lesson possible. I danced, I sang, I did drama. I started the piano when I was three, the violin when I was five. I did everything. She pushed me out there, and she got me an agent. And the agent liked me. She sent me on some interviews. And by golly, I got some parts. And that's how it all started. I was four years old when I started. I'd already done four movies before It's a Wonderful Life. So I was kind of a a veteran by then. And it was just another job. Went to studio school all the time. Um, I had a, I, I really loved it. It was fun because every set was different that I went on. It was like a world of make believe wherever I went. Every day I'd go out the door when I'd leave home, I'd never know what I was getting into, whether it would be a western or, you know, whether it'd be on horses or or there'd be fake snow or whatever, because I really did love the fake snow from It's a Wonderful Life. But I I was in the movies for um, quite a little while. I did 16 films, and I worked with some of the greatest movie legends of all time. I mean, Bing Crosby and Cary Grant and... John Wayne, Gary Cooper, um, you know Fred McMurray, a lot of the greats, really great movies. Another good movie for Christmas that I did was The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant, David Devon, and Loretta Young. And I always have to watch that. Um, I watch it on Christmas Eve every year. I love that movie. It's it's a, a sweet movie, and it's about Christmas. And, and it's really uh, got a lot of great messages in it much like It's a Wonderful
1: Life. Do you remember, at, I mean, you were a child actor, and fortunately you have, you have film and a lot of photographs to help you remember, but I'm wondering what you do remember of some of those actors and some of those movie sets, what the surprises were, and how you got along with them.
2: You know, each movie was different, and, and I do remember because there were so many different activities that happened. Like, for instance, on the set of The Bishop's Wife, Cary Grant, uh, would come and get me every day at lunchtime, and he would take me, and we'd go. there was really an ice skating rink on the stage, and he would pull me around on a sled while he was practicing his ice skating every day at lunch. He was just a really nice guy. He read me stories, told me stories. Uh, I, ju- I just really enjoyed working with him. I mean, every movie had pluses. I never really had a bad experience it was all good and um, whether that was just my luck or my mother made that happen I don't know but everyone I worked with I enjoyed and every person that that I met was very good to me so and you know there were a few stars that you were told you know they don't like kids so stay away from them so that I, I abided by. I was a very disciplined child, and I minded, and I did what I was told to do. Otherwise, you wouldn't make it very far in that business. So that uh, that helps a lot.
1: <laughs> what do you remember from uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Do you remember Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and Frank Capra?
2: Oh, yes, I remember Mr. Capra very well. He used to get down on his knees and look us kids in the eye. You know kind of eye level, so he'd be on our level, and he could tell us just exactly what he wanted us to do, how he wanted us to act. you know we weren't reading at that time, and so what we had to memorize our lines, and you know if he changed it that'd be okay we'd get it. it just was a he was very um he natural he let people be natural he he didn't make you stick to the script verbatim if there was something that you wanted to say in a different way but you got the point across that was okay and he he didn't change it cuz he wanted people to act natural he was just a, he was a genius i think i mean there's so many things in the movie that he put in there just uh, behind the scenes that you probably never thought about like for instance every time you see the blackbird fly in on uncle billy mm-hmm well, that means Mr. Potter's bearing down on the Bailey building and loan.
1: Ah, okay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
2: He put so many wonderful things in there that it just really made the movie great.
1: I, I found in my research that he had come up with the concept of the uh, snow made from fomite. Uh, and then adding a lot of, I think it was sugar and, and water. He had six thousand gallons of that made into snow, and it was the most realistic movie snow to date that the movies had ever seen.
2: Well, the main ingredient was ivory soap flakes.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it was more of a mixture of fomite and ivory soap flakes, and uh, it was. Well, you notice, you'll you'll notice when um, George is pulling Clarence out of the water. Oh, my goodness, there's such a huge soap film all over their faces. Oh. And the, the snow was bubbling and going all around them. You know, the water is all sudsy. You'll notice it. It's there. <laughs> they were having a, an incredibly heat hot heat wave at the time we did the movie. And they did it in three months, which is, was record time. But it was very, very hot.
1: We had to, we had some fans uh, write into us with some questions for you, and one was: Do you remember anything specifically about Jimmy Stewart? Tall,
2: way tall. <laughs> <laughs> he was six feet four, and oh, wow. so you know, I, I'm on his back or in his arms all the time. It was pretty remarkable, actually, that. Uh, I, I didn't fall off because he was really, really tall and just as gentle and kind and sweet as could be. He really was a great man. He did, uh, in later years, He I got out of Hollywood, and um, I kind of, well, I did lose contact with everybody I ever knew. And uh, so I was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Well, he in 1980, um, Mr. Stewart was getting questions from people asking him whatever happened to that kid. And so he had his secretary look me up, and she found me in the middle of Kansas, and that's kind of how we hooked up again, Mr. Stewart and I, and we saw each other after that.
1: Uh, Another question we got, are there today any surviving film locations?
2: Culver City Studios is where the movie was filmed. Mm Mm-hmm what's known as Culver Studios today. Back then, it was RKO Pathé. But um, the Studio Ranch is no longer there. It's now a park called Balboa Park. And then there was also the Martini's House, which was real. And actually, it's still there. It's in La Cunada uh, Flintridge area there. And so it's still there. And also, the other place that they filmed was the uh, Beverly Hills High School gymnasium, one of the gymnasiums, where the pool scene was shot, where the f- floor opens up and there's a pool, mm-hmm. and that does still exist as well.
1: Okay. was it that happened, uh, I think you were 12, and you had a, a tragedy begin to strike your life, and could you kind of go through that and what happened?
2: Well, uh, when I was eight years old, my mother started getting sick, and um Then she died when I was 14, and then my father got killed in an automobile accident when I was 15. So the court in Hollywood shipped me to a little town in Missouri, and that was more or less the end of my movie career, (laughs) and anything else that had to do with Hollywood.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a long way from Hollywood, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. It is indeed.
1: And what were your aunt and uncle like?
2: Well, it was my father's brother. And unfortunately, he had a really mean wife. And so it wasn't pleasant there in their home at all. It was not pleasant, but I survived. And I had a lot of wonderful friends. The whole town knew the situation I was in. And that's when I discovered the reality of real friendship and genuine, caring people. That's what I found in the Midwest where I went to live. And so I never went back to Hollywood. My aunt cut off all my connections. And uh, so I decided that I would rather get an education and uh, do something else with my life. So I became a medical technician.
0: This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. purpose, they stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
1: Regarding, regarding the other kids that were on the set, uh, when were you able to get back in touch with them and how did that happen? The
2: Target company organized uh, they, they had It's a Wonderful Life in their stores for Christmas in 1993. The theme was It's a Wonderful Life. And so they got us all together, all the Bailey kids, and they sent us on a tour. They reunited us. And so we went on a tour all over the United States. and We had a wonderful time. That's when I really started hitting the road for the film. And I've been on the road ever since. <laughs> so, and then we had a reunion in Jimmy Stewart's hometown that year. And uh, it was pretty exciting to meet the people that, you know, that I had worked with years and years earlier. So it was cool. And um, the kids and I, we we have a wonderful bond now. And we're very, very close. There are five of us left that were in the movie, cast members. And little Janie, who played the piano, she's with us. And little Tommy, who burped. And young Violet Bick in the soda fountain scene. She's uh, Janine Ruth. She's still there. And then um, Harry Bailey's wife. Uh, she's still with us. And her name is Ruth Patton Moss. And uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm thinking Ru- Ruth Dakin Bailey. No! <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, but um, she still. With us. she lives in um, Michigan, Ann Arbor. Ah.
1: Now yeah. I heard that uh, you were in. You've been in Seneca Falls a number of times.
2: I'm celebrating my 15th year of the. It's a wonderful life festival that was started several years ago, and this will be my 15th year of being a part of the festival. And then in 2010. I was a pretty integral part of starting the It's a Wonderful Life Museum that's located in Seneca Falls. I feel like Seneca Falls is kind of a second home to me.
1: Yeah. Does Seneca Falls remind you a lot of that movie set?
2: Yes, it does. The water that runs along Main Street, it it, it just does.
1: (laughs) Do you pretty much agree that uh, Capra most likely did visit Seneca Falls back in 1945 and that he had patterned the set? After pretty much after Seneca Falls,
2: yes, I do, I do believe that, and um there was a barber who had cut his hair, and he remembered cutting his hair and the re- and the reason he remembered was because his name in in this little town, there are the Italians and the non Italians, and the river or the canal that runs through it kind of separated the two way back when he would have been there. And so the Italian segment was where he went over to get his hair cut and uh and he met this barber and the barber's name was Tommy Bellissimo, which means beautiful. And he always remembered cutting Frank's hair because capra in Italian means goat. So he always <laughs> remembered cutting the goat's hair. And he didn't know who he was until a few weeks later he read in the paper that he was going to do this movie.
1: The whole theme of the movie is love. Friendship and love have helped you through a lot of rough spots. Would that be fair to say?
2: That would be fair to say, yes. But I also attribute that to a strong religious belief in God that there was a divine hand in all of it. (laughs) He uh, helped me through a lot. But... um, I think the main themes for this movie is about what George learns. And, you know, he goes through the unborn sequence and a lot of things happen to him. He didn't realize how he touched so many lives. We don't realize how many lives we touch. So it, when he's on that bridge and he wants to live again, he says, Please, God, please, God, I want to live again. Well, the minute he says the word God, it starts to snow, and you know he's back. hes He really did learn what really is important in life. And for me, I feel like what the movie is, says is that it's all about faith and family and friends. And I think that all comes together in the end. You see how beautiful that really can be. And I think that's what has made it last so long and will continue to be more popular through the ages because it's such a tradition in so many homes, not only in America, but also all over the world. It's become a real uh, Christmas tradition to show this film, and all the families enjoy being a part of that.
1: I think you're so right. Do you think movies today are not as good as movies were 40, 50, 60 years ago? Do you think movies have improved or gone the other way or or really kind of in between?
2: I think they've gone the other way, but they're what people want to see. Um, I think that maybe the movie distributors kind of appeal to a different market than they used to. The standards are different, and so I think the people that watch the movies today think they're wonderful, but for those of us who find a better meaning and deeper meaning in movies of yesterday um, and delightful stories. Without nasty words and a lot of violence, you get that warm, ooey feeling, or you laugh your heart out. Uh, it could be done differently than it is today, but today it has to be in your face. And it is a whole different kind of way of showing movies and telling stories. It's it's different. It's the only thing that the young people have grown up with and so that's the market that they appeal to when they make a movie every once in a while a good movie comes out what i've noticed is that the independent movies are the ones that seem to have more meat and remind you of the good movies in years past
1: and there there are some good independent movies that come up out there there it's a little mm-hmm. tough it's a little tougher for them to get the distribution but they're certainly great movies
2: yes I agree with that, very definitely.
1: Is there any movie trivia you'd like to share with our fans? Some little things that they can look for the next time they see it?
2: Well, when they watch the movie, uh, we always laugh about the magic wreath scene because when George takes the Christmas wreath and walks across the street and goes into the Bailey Building and Loan office, he throws the wreath down on the desk, Well, the very next scene, he's talking to Harry on the phone, and that magic wreath is on his arm. That's a fun mistake. And then uh, 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 when Violet Bick comes to see him at the end, when um, they've discovered that the money's missing just right before that, when she's there and she needs money, she's going to go to New York, and she kisses him on the cheek. Well, he's got a pipe in his mouth. When he's talking to her, and then the very next scene, the pipe isn't even around.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one.
2: A lot of editing issues and fun stuff like that, which are fun to watch for, that's for sure.
1: Here's a question for you. How did you get the name Zuzu Ginger Snaps?
2: Well, Zuzu Ginger Snap was a product made by the National Biscuit Company in the early 1900s, which today is Nabisco. And uh, it was a little, it was a cookie, and, and the, the advertising boxes had a little uh, blonde clown, female clown on the, on the covers of the boxes and all over. And so when George comes back from his unborn sequence, he runs up the stairs, and he's so happy to see his kids. And I come out my door, and I say, Daddy! And he says, Zuzu, my little gingers.
1: How does it feel owning one of the greatest lines in movie history?
2: I think uh, you know I talk to a lot of children and kids and you know that kind of thing and people say you know you were in in one of the greatest movies of all time and how's that feel and I, and I feel like it's it's a, a privilege to be a part of that movie It's an honor to be Remembered as that little girl who said that line in such a fabulous movie i'm I'm honored and a privileged that I had the opportunity to be that little girl and really and truly that movie will it transcends time it's going to be here a long time more, and it's been here a long time and it it really applies to yesterday today and tomorrow so you know, people can say, well, you know, you're a movie star. No, I'm not a movie star. I was in very few films. There's a lot of people who are in a lot more movies than I was. But I am a piece of film history, and that I, can, that I will always be because of that film. And I feel very privileged to be a part of movie history.
1: Well, we're very privileged to, that you have shared this time with us and these special memories that you have. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you. And um, I hope everyone takes the opportunity to watch the movie again this year and put yourself in that spirit for another year of rejuvenation of faith and hope and, and just feel good. And uh, I have so many friends and so many fans who say that, they watch that movie not only at Christmas, but during the rest of the year sometimes when they get down and low, because each one of us matters. We all make a, a difference in others' lives. And and we we really do matter. That's what people need to realize every once in a while, because you forget that. You get caught up in your little worlds, and they get really small, and, and you forget the big picture. But in the big picture, That money meant nothing to George after he was back. He didn't care if he was going to jail. He just knew that he had his family, he had love, not tangible things. He had this wonderful love. And how wonderful is it that we have our families and that we have the opportunity to be together? You know, a lot of people go through a lot of rough times, and I certainly have over my lifetime, there's still good in every bad situation. Sometimes you have to look for it, but it's
1: there. <laughs> well said. I was going to okay. ask you, too, um, one more thought came to my mind, and here's a question for you Do you believe in angels?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and believe it or not, people have been sending me angels for years. So <laughs> I have many, many, many angels. <laughs>
1: I believe in him, too. And I also believe in the, in the better angels in, uh, in those of us who are living as well. Thank, I think so. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Thank you.
2: Bye-bye. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance.
0: And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance.